Jake says all the time to our clients and he's like, enjoy the process. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you need to coach me on that. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Enneagram podcast, where we talk about the Enneagram in the context of work. I'm your host, Kelsey Taylor, and I am so dang excited for today's episode. Our guests are both Enneagram 3s, and first we have Jordan Shaft, who is a worship pastor for a non-denominational church. Welcome to the show, Jordan. Thanks. Glad to be here. And second, we have Whitney Braille, whose husband Jake was on the show back in 2021, representing the Type 7s. If you remember from that episode, Jake and Whitney are both mindset coaches. It is so great to have the better half on the show, Whitney. <laughs> thanks for being here. Oh, thanks, Kelsey. And thanks for the compliment. I won't tell Jake. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. My hope for our time together is that the listeners would get an understanding of what it's like for an Enneagram 3 to approach work through the lens of their Enneagram type. But I also really want to get a peek behind the scenes of the creative process Whitney, for you writing a book, and then uh, Jordan, for you creating an album. I'm so excited. This has been a huge year for both of you guys. Y'all have done so much work in the creative process for your book and your album. And so I think it's neat for everybody else to kind of get a peek behind the curtain on how that's been. So first, I want to jump in with Whitney. What did you want to be when you were a little girl? Was it always like, I want to coach and teach other people? No, definitely not. I just had a desire to help people. I I just, I didn't even know what that was going to look like. Definitely felt pressure to figure it out that I should know already uh, or have an idea, but I, I didn't. I, I just had this longing to, yeah, be able to give value to other people without having that word value. But mm -hmm. that's amazing. <laughs> I love that that's always been there. Jordan, for you, have you just been singing when you came out of the womb or? I mean, basically, <laughs> I, I remember some of my first memories of singing were, I don't even know how old I was, five or six. That's awesome. Um, I would sing, I would sing the Mariah Carey song, Hero, uh, to my grandma. And she would just have me sing that to her all the time. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up singing was in choir through junior high and high school and started leading worship then. And so I don't think I'm familiar with hero. Can you give us oh, an example? Uh, I don't know if I remember it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember the song, but I don't. Uh, yeah. That's an old, that's an old one. It's a good one to go, to go listen. Okay. Yeah. We'll link to the show notes. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. I could just imagine like being a grandma and having a musically gifted grandson sing me here. Like mm. the right. idea of that is like, I'm your hero. And so yeah. is that how the song goes? It's, I don't really remember. I just know it's like, then a hero comes along. That's all I remember. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yes. From a lens of a grandparent, I, yeah. I would put myself as yeah. the hero. Be yeah. like, I'm your hero. Oh, yeah, I'm I got sure. you. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. I love that. So Whit, tell me about what you do now and what your favorite part of your job is. My husband and I, like you mentioned, Jake, we take people on sometimes physical adventures where we'll climb 14,000 foot mountains or surf in Puerto Rico. And then what we really like to do on the day to day is help people through their life adventures. So if that's 
a season of going through a tough time in their marriage or figuring out what they really want to do career-wise. But the adventure is always with God, where he has you in that season and the challenges that we face in our day-to-day. So we just have the, the honor and privilege of people trusting us to walk through them with that season and give them practical tools and really have a clear vision of where they feel like God's leading them and then go through that process with them. I love that y'all do adventures big and small. And so it's like, we're going to go surfing in Puerto Rico, but also God has an adventure for you right here. It doesn't, Mm. you don't have to leave your house. You just have to dig into the relationships that you have or whatever life is throwing at you right now. It is also an adventure. It may not feel like an adventure, (laughs) but it can be if you let it. Yeah. I love that. That's really neat. It totally is. Yeah. And I'll just add to that, that I think that the adventure aspect in the day-to-day is really trusting God with the unknown and the uncertainties and stepping out in faith, Mm -hmm. which requires risk, right? Absolutely. I believe we become the most alive when we're living adventure day to day. Yeah, I love that lens uh, that you see it because I think a lot of people would be like, I never connected the dots between faith being an adventure, like stepping mm-hmm. out into this risk of trusting God with whatever situation I am instead of trying to control it. I consider that for me, I'm like, oh, that feels daunting and scary. Yep. And so to reframe that as a worthwhile adventure is really neat. I love yeah. that perspective. Well said. Yeah. Thank you. So Jordan, in regards to the album, what are you currently working on? Well, right now we're just gearing up for the release of the album. So that has been really fun. That this is- this whole summer we've been just working on the album, mixing and mastering and all of that fun stuff. And so it's been a lot of diving into that, which is not my normal routine. So it's been really fun to get outside of what I would normally do and be able to focus on that. But just in general, my job, I just, I really do love to lead worship. People ask me all the time because I've been leading worship now for a little over 20 years and been a pastor for about 15 years. And people ask me all the time, like, what's after that? You know, what's after leading worship? What's the next step? you know, are you going to be an executive pastor or whatever? Mm -hmm. But I really do. I'm so passionate about leading worship and leading people into God's presence. And so that really is the most fun part of my job. Every Sunday, I love um, being able to do that. And so you're so good at it too. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As a member of the congregation, I feel very blessed. Thank you. Thank you. And and I just have to confess that I'm very jealous that you have that gift (laughs) because I (laughs) love worship and I love being the presence of, of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you get to just lead people into that, man, so many times I'm like, why couldn't I have had like a voice or be able to play an instrument? (laughs) You gave me this really cool mindset gift, but why can't I have? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Oh, well, I had to you. confess. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, Jordan does it so well, but can I be a therapy leading? Yes. Yes. I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you brought up the fact that people are like, what's next for you? Yeah. Because that is how our culture thinks. Yeah. It is like not just ministry, but work in general, there's ladders to climb. And and I love the saying that if you're not growing, you're dying. 
to a certain extent, I think there's a lot of truth to that. There is room for growth and staying stagnant. It can have its harmful attributes to it. But what you're saying is that you're not stagnant as a worship leader. There is growth in your role. And so what's next for you, it could be another album. It could be a different song. It could be figuring out how to get people to engage in worship. It's not executive pastor. What's next for you is leveling up as a worship pastor. I love that. I think that's phenomenal. And I think more people need to hear that, that you have permission to grow in your role, not in the organization or what other people think you should be doing. Yeah. Especially as a three. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. You must be a healthy three. Uh, I I try to be, but I don't know. You can ask my wife. She'll tell you the truth on that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. On that note, I want to know how y'all know you're a three. And for those of you who are listening, if you're not familiar, the Enneagram three is known as the achiever. And they are motivated by being successful. They want to be successful for themselves, but they also want other people to see that they're successful. Like they're very image conscious in the way that other people perceive them. They thrive off of words of affirmation, typically. When they achieve something big and somebody says, wow, that's incredible, it fuels them to go above and beyond and continue and to do even more. And so they are very productive types. They love efficiency. Their core fear is being a failure in life. And they... They don't want to be perceived as a failure. They don't want to experience failure. They don't want to lose. They can be super competitive. And then the weakness for the three is deceit. And it's not that they're deceitful people. They can be, and we all can be. But for the the three, deceit is more about deceiving themselves into believing they are only as good as what they can accomplish. Mm-hmm. And from a gospel perspective, God reframes that to say, um, you don't have to earn salvation. And I love you even if you don't do anything. I love you just because you're mine. Mm-hmm. It's a really sweet place for threes to to be when they can believe they don't have to earn God's love or earn the love of other people. So mm-hmm. with that said, Whitney, how do you know that you're an Enneagram three? Well, Kelsey, I didn't until I hired you and you helped me go through the different Enneagrams because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I take this test and I don't know. I, I just... I would get a different Enneagram type mm-hmm. every time I yes. took it. Yeah. But once we came to that conclusion, I was like, oh, yes, this is totally me mm-hmm. in some of my own self-deception, just not wanting to see parts of the three absolutely in me. Didn't you mention that's common for threes to not know that they are threes? Yes. A lot of threes, because they don't like to see the negative attributes of themselves, will gloss over it and they will only see the positive things. And they're like, I'm obviously the best number. <laughs> and newsflash, we all think we're the best number. Like we all do. It doesn't matter what type you are. You, especially if you're <laughs> an eight, you think you're the best number. <laughs> yeah. But, but it is harder, I think, for threes to come to terms with where their weaknesses are um, and where some of their shortcomings are because they just want to be the best. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Which which is super fascinating because I am so all about growth, like to a fault. Mm -hmm. If, if there's a a part of me that I'm seeing is not stepping up into what I'm doing or, or how I feel like the Lord's calling me to be, then I'm like, okay, let's go to work at it. Mm -hmm. So I am kind of surprised that, 
threes have a hard time because they don't want to see that. So it's super tricky. So on the flip side of that coin, that is still the motivator of the three not wanting to be bad mm. at something. So you're yeah. leaning so hard into that growth aspect because you're like, I don't want, I don't want any of these yes. shortcomings or failures, or I want to overcome them. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep. So on totally. the one hand, if you're unhealthy, you don't see them. Gotcha. If you are average, you see them, but can sometimes blame other people and say, that's not me. That's you. If you're healthy, you see them and you work towards improvement. Gotcha. If you're unhealthy, you can take that a little bit extreme and become a workaholic and overextend yourself in mm-hmm. perfectionism almost. Yeah. Does that so, make sense? So yeah. yes. That's spot on. I love that. What about you, Jordan? How do you know you're an Enneagram three? Yeah. So fun fact, Kelsey and I used to be on staff together mm-hmm. and we uh, went through an Enneagram training as a staff mm-hmm. and um, it was still fairly new to me. We had kind of gone through it a little bit. I had tested and tried to figure out what my number was. It wasn't until we did that training mm-hmm. and they were talking about core fears. And I, it was like reading a book about me, the core values as well. And I I had Steph, my wife, read it as well. And she was like, oh yeah, that's that literally is you. So, <laughs> <laughs> And Stephanie is a five, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that is awesome. I love that. Quick side note, how do y'all's relationship work with the three who is looking to achieve, 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 and the five who needs more like downtime and reserve time? Is there tension there between y'all? There was for a long time. Um, We've just kind of learned to work together in that. And specifically for me, realizing like that she needs that time in that space. I used to look at it like something must be off or something must be wrong, you know, if she's wanting this time in this space. But the reality is that's just how she's recharging. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, it the Enneagram has been really helpful for us in our marriage, realizing that we are different and we are made different and that's okay. Yeah. And we can learn about each other's personalities so that we know how to serve each other better. I love that. That's very well said. That's good. All right, Whitney, how do you approach work from a three lens? Like what are the things about your threeness that jive with your work? Continuing to grow, just having a, a hunger for that. I think being in the in the self-help industry, you tend to be very uh, self-focused and because of my desire to grow, I have really leaned more into God and and asked, okay, what does it look like to be in this industry and have you be the focused? And mm-hmm. so I think my hunger for more and a sense of like curiosity and, you know, how do I be the best that God wants me to be, not be the best that I think Whitney should be, mm-hmm. has really helped me to shift our focus in the self help industry to bring more of our faith into it. And I think being a three has really been the driver of that. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think if I can just 
affirm you. It, I see so much of your desire to lead by example and so mm-hmm. much of what you do. You're putting your money where your mouth is essentially. And you're like, I'm doing the hard work too. Mm-hmm. I'm not just going to ask you to do it and sit on the sidelines. Yeah, I'm in the arena yep. getting my butt kicked just yep. like you are. And uh, I appreciate that. I think that's one thing that threes do really well is just inspiring others by their own mm-hmm. stories and their own examples. And y'all do that very well. To me, that says integrity. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's part of a three is feeling like you need to be achieving what you say that you're going to be doing. You actually do. Right. I don't know if that's part of the Enneagram three, but to me, that's like. Absolutely. There's no other choice. Yeah. (laughs) This is how it is. (laughs) I love that. That's neat. Jordan, how about you? What do you see your threeness? How does that jive and like fuel your work as a worship pastor? Yeah, I think very similarly, it's a drive to continue to be better. And and kind of what I talked about earlier, it's not necessarily a next step or a ladder to climb. Um, And I did go through that for a long time in, in my life and then started to realize that that doesn't need to be the, the driving factor, but Mm -hmm. I can use the drive to be better, to continue to grow as a pastor can to continue to grow as a leader. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I use that, that drive to achieve, to be successful, not in terms of trying to be successful for myself. I've had to kind of reframe that. What does it look like to be successful as a worship leader? And ultimately it means being able to lead people well in worship and Mm -hmm. maybe sometimes lay down my preferences in what God's called me to do. I love that. I think threes too are just gifted with their desire for excellence. So I have, I got to see firsthand the way that you approach music that way. If there is something off, uh, there was one, I think it was the recording of the album, actually, there was something that went off. Then you were like, Hey, no, We're not going to just fake (laughs) this through this awful experience or whatever it is. It was just like, hey, we're going to pause, we're going to reset, and we're going to make this excellent. We're going to make it an experience where people really can truly connect uh, through a meaningful and excellent experience. So I admire that. I think for me, it's just like, let's just keep going. Maybe nobody noticed. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I just loved that mindset of like, no, you can, you can, who says you can't stop in the middle of yeah. something and just restart it and be like, Hey, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We're going to start over. Yeah. Also, I'd love to affirm you in the way that you lead worship, I think it has been such a gift for the people who attend our church in that you say with your body, what you want to say with your heart. And I had not seen that demonstrated before you came and started leading. And so I think people felt free to lift their hands up. People felt free to sit down. People felt free to stand without being so concerned about, am I distracting someone else? Or it's a really neat way to lead people to connect with God that I'm very appreciative for. And I think as a three, sometimes you can get caught up in I'm performing. Right. But I've never felt that with worship. It is I'm authentically connecting with God and setting the table so that everybody else can also authentically connect with God. And so I appreciate that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And I, yeah, and I think that goes back just kind of to that, you know, servant leadership. You know, we we want to do 
the things that we're asking people to do. And so I can't model or example something if I'm not doing it and mm-hmm. ask people to do that. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for saying that. For sure. For sure. Okay, Whitney, I want to dive into the book. So tell us a little bit about the book, the title, and then where did you come up with this idea of writing it? Well, it wasn't my idea uh, (laughs) at all. it. (laughs) It was about six months that Jake and I had been married and I was complaining about how hard it was to be a stepmom and being rejected and that None of this was fair. And I've heard him say, I want you to write a book thinking he wants me to write a book about being a stepmom. Like this is going awful and I'm horrible. Like who would read my book? <laughs> and so just out of obedience, um, I was open to it. I was like, okay. So I would go down, I, w- I would sit at my laptop to write. And I was like, oh, he doesn't want me to write about being a stepmom. He wants me to write about my, my past. And so I would sit down with my laptop and a memory would come up that I felt he wanted me to share. And it would just be a rev- like an invitation, really. I want to say it that way because it was such a loving invitation for me to heal mm-hmm. the parts that I had just wanted to put in a box mm-hmm. and say, nope, that's done. Mm-hmm. No one's touching it. And so through that process, it was a six-year journey of um, write a little bit, heal a lot of it, (laughs) write a little bit, heal a lot of it. And so um, it felt like a mean joke (laughs) a lot of the time. (laughs) I'm like, okay, this book is never getting done. So it was definitely his idea. It it was for my good. Hmm. And wow, I did so much healing that I didn't even know was underneath the surface that's amazing of the busyness and the numbing and the running that is amazing and i love the idea that god is meeting you in that that writing a book is a way for people to heal in a sense or journaling or just yeah spending time visiting the memories that are painful for us Mm -hmm. processing those that's really neat yeah how did you come up with the title reckless grace well it's kind of a combination jake has such he's very gifted with creativity but i created a fictional character grace so mm-hmm. ideally i am mentoring my younger self in the book and so i named her grace um because that's really the testimony god's grace and then a lot of my teens and 20s were very reckless mm-hmm. and i go in a depth about that very raw and and vulnerably but God's goodness just kept pursuing me. His love, his love kept pursuing me. And so with the recklessness of my life and the recklessness of his love, I was like, oh yeah, grace has got to be reckless. It's who he is. And that's definitely who I was. So right, kind well, of a double meaning. Yeah, that's beautiful. I totally got the double. I thought I got the double meaning. <laughs> and so I'm so glad to hear that that is <laughs> that how you it's were intended. Right. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I feel so smart. <laughs> That is awesome. I love that. Okay, Jordan, how about you? Tell me about the creative process for you. What made you decide I'm going to write an album? So I have been writing and recording for a while. So uh, actually after our our last album, it was at a previous church. I kind of had decided that I was going to be done recording. So for a couple of years and actually really writing as well for a long time because of my threeness 
writing, recording, all of that was to make myself look good to make myself feel good. I just kind of went on a journey of like, this isn't ultimately fulfilling. Having to kind of reframe my mind and cleanse my heart and and my mind from that. And it wasn't until I started writing again a little bit. And one of the songs that I wrote, I started singing it at church and I would have multiple people say, Hey, what, what was that song? You know, I've been looking for, I've been looking for the lyrics. I can't find it. And I would say, oh, that's an original song. It's not recorded. You can't you can, find it because yeah. it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is always like so weird. To, yeah, it's to totally say. weird. Um, but, you know, I'd say, well, you can find it on the YouTube or whatever on our church's YouTube. You can find um, it when you come back to church on Sunday yeah. mornings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After a few years of introducing a couple songs that I had written, I just started to feel like, okay, I think I could potentially record an album that ultimately isn't for me. It's not for me to receive affirmation. It's not for me to feel better about myself or my success or my achievements, but is ultimately just something that we can use as a way to serve our church and Mm -hmm. a way to just kind of capture the heart of what God's doing in people's lives. Um, Because, you know, there's so many incredible songs being written these days. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's just something special about when you're in the community and you can kind of sense what God's doing and writing for that specifically. And so for me, it's, it's definitely been a process of changing my mindset and my heart to um, just serving our church and serving the the people that God has entrusted me with. So. I love that. I love the honesty of like, yeah, at a time I, that was totally for me <laughs> yeah. because we have all been there. Yeah. If we're honest, we've yeah. all been there. And sometimes mm-hmm. we accidentally go back there and we yeah. regress a little bit. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My heart's not in the right place yeah. here. Mm-hmm. I need to be reminded. Yeah. Um, so I yeah. appreciate that. I think threes need to hear that, that it's okay to have that. God is calling you to a deeper calling than than empty affirmations from other people. Yeah. And gosh, I relate so much to that, Jordan, like so much of the success that I wanted to achieve Mm -hmm. or the status. I mean, it's really like, oh, I want to come up with the best blank, you know? And I think that is very much the three that the Lord, I believe, is a strength made us with a strength, Mm -hmm. but it can become an idol. Yeah. Like a sense of emptiness and just striving, striving, striving. And then you're like, Oh, I, the void is still there. And so it was really a relief to hear other threes talk about my personal experience and be Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm not a bad person. This is a way that the Lord has blessed me and making me. Absolutely. And now it's just learning how to rely on him right. Right, for that. That's yeah, well said. Absolutely. I love that. That's good. Jordan, how is the process for you? Do you write the lyrics and then the music comes? Is the music first and then the lyrics? Is it some kind of combination of both? The majority of the time, it's usually lyrics with a melody of some sort. Uh, something is kind of just floating around in my head. And I'll start singing it. Um, and once I have like maybe something to go off of, um, I'll usually sit down at a piano and write at 
at the piano. Um, just because I, I don't know, I, I typically just, I typically play guitar. I lead worship from guitar, but there's just something for me about, uh, playing piano. And, and so it just kind of opens my heart in a different way, I guess. And then after that, I typically will bring it to, uh, our band and say, Hey, here's, here's what, what I have. And we just kind of work through it together. There's been a couple unique ones this time around the title track. I don't have much. I was driving and wrote that song like almost out of like frustration. What can I sing? It, those were the words that came out of my mouth. Exactly. What can I sing that hasn't been sung? Mm. That one has been fun to just kind of see how God's used that. Cause I didn't think that that was going to be a song at all. That's amazing. I love that. Thank you for sharing. That's really cool. I think there is something really sweet about the song. The lyrics are, I don't have much, but what I do, I'll surrender and give to you. Yeah. You can have all of my heart. Yeah. I mean, I'm not doing it justice by just speaking it, but even speaking it is poetic in a sense of understanding and taking us back to Jesus's birth where people are coming, bringing gifts. And mm -hmm. I think even then, even then the wise men and the shepherds and everybody who's gathered around for this monumental moment probably still feel that like yeah. I don't have much but you can you can have whatever it is yeah because we've been waiting for you yeah and um I'm gonna get emotional so I'm gonna change the <laughs> subject but I think it is that's a good that's a good pick um who am I to say what your favorite is but that's a really good good choice okay question for both of you guys I think in any kind of creative process and um I'm totally guessing here I think we all have somebody that we reach out to for feedback. Uh, we get excited about it and we're like, do you think this is as cool as I do? <laughs> yeah. Or we're a little uh, maybe skeptical. Does this communicate what I'm trying to communicate? And so we have these people or the, maybe this one person that we go to for feedback. And we really ultimately want them to be honest with us and give us what they truly think. But we also kind of want them to hype us up a little bit and be like, this is the best thing I've ever <laughs> yeah. heard or read or, yeah. wow, this is phenomenal. Did y'all experience any of that in the process for y'all? Yeah, definitely. For sure, hands down, mine is my husband, Jake. He, and he's a seven, so he's big time hype man. <laughs> he's, yes. <laughs> so much hype that I'm like, whoa, 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 tone it down. Like, <laughs> you're making me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, that's amazing. Oh, he's such a very gifted. That's a great way of saying that. Yeah, he's just very creative. I love getting his feedback. Sometimes I don't like his feedback because I'm like, that's not where I wanted to go, but that's a good point. <laughs> but yes, hands down, I'm very grateful to have him in a creative process. Yeah, same. Uh, mine is, well, mine's not the same. It's not Jake. But <laughs> although How cool Jake, would that be? Yeah, although Jake is great. So maybe I should. Um, no, mine is my wife, Steph. And yeah, every time I write a song, she's always the first person that I get feedback with. And she also writes and is a co-writer on several of the songs on the album. And there's several songs that are just hers on the album as well that she wrote. Like sometimes if she's not in the right mindset and I'm super excited about something and she may not be ready to hear it and I show her and she's like, oh yeah, that's good. And I'm like, 
I mean, I thought it was a song of the summer, but I mean, <laughs> I guess that's good. It'll do. Um, so, so there's definitely times where I'm like, I, I could have used a little more. And then she recognizes that she's like, oh, okay. He needs a, a little bit, a little bit more than, than she yeah, comes home good. with the cake. That was like, this was the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. What advice would you give to other Enneagram threes who are wanting to make something significant? They want to create, they want to produce, they want to do something that makes an impact. Uh, So what advice would you give them on how to discern the projects that are not fulfilling from the projects that are? I think that's a great question. For me, I would say it's more of directing to how am I creating this? Like, how am I going about the process? For me as as an achiever, I want to, like Jordan mentioned, have it done today and I want it to be amazing today and I want to release it today. And, you know, and so I get very me focused Hmm. and that is never fulfilling. And it's not what the capacity that God wants it to be. Well, first I would say it's believing that God wants to create through me Mm -hmm. more than I want to create. And from that belief, then it's like, okay, I'm going to bring you into the process because that will give me discernment and wisdom and creativity more than I could ever imagine. And I think naturally for me as a three, I know what projects excite me and what projects I'm like doing to check a box. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. That's good. What would you add? And I would agree with that, that I, I know the things that excite me. And so my advice would be don't try and chase after somebody else's dream or somebody else's um, thing that, that they may be excited about. But my advice overall would be to enjoy the process as hard as that is, because, you know, I don't, I don't know, maybe it's a three thing. Maybe it's just a me thing. I don't typically enjoy the process. I want the end goal. Yeah. Um, And then just knowing that as a three, you're going to be hyper-focused on perfection and nothing aside from Jesus is perfect. Come on. And so just trusting that and trusting that it's it's okay. And at some point you have to release it. Mm-hmm. I love that. You were nodding your head to the fact that sometimes you're so focused on the end goal that you yeah. forget the journey. So that resonated with you too. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Were you nitpicking any parts of your book after you've written it? Go back and say, I need to perfect it. I'm sure I was, and I was just um, blind to it because it felt like it was never going the way that I envisioned it would go or as fast as I envisioned. Yes. Um, But I think more than that, it was just, I did not really enjoy the process. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, like, when can I just release it? (laughs) So that part, oh my gosh. Yeah. Man. When will I be done? (laughs) Jake says all the time to our clients and he's like, enjoy the process. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) What does that even mean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like you need to coach me on that. (laughs) So yeah. And that's an adventure in itself. It was a six-year adventure for you, but it is an adventure. And you know what helped me with that is actually 
summiting mountains. Because as much as you want to just get to the top of the mountain and get past the elevation and all the challenges there, like it is literally one foot in front of the other, one step at a time. And if you don't stop to take a look at the beauty and how far you've come, mm -hmm. then you get to the summit and you're like, whoa, what, what, what was all that worth? Mm. Yes. You know, and so the why it's worth it is the process. That's yeah. beautiful. I love that. When are y'all doing the next summit? July, 2024. Okay. All right. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. So if you want to join Jake and Witt on their summit yeah. and learn how to enjoy the process, yeah, that's a great trip to take. Is yes. it, is, are there spots open? Um, there are, but you have to apply okay. now. So just making sure that you're physically good, not physically fit, just like, you know, check some boxes. But, yeah, yeah. But it's a, a good journey for you. Mutual. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Um, on that note, what other events do y'all have coming up and uh, where can we find your book? You can find my book on Amazon. Other events, we're surfing in Puerto Rico in February and then summiting in, in July. And so this will be the first year where you can do both wow. um, and just, yeah, come on for the adventure. I love that. That the waves awesome. and, and the mountains. So that's awesome. Yeah. All right, Jordan, how can we support you and where can we find your album? Yeah, you can find it anywhere you find music normally. Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Pandora. It's available. Awesome. I love it. You guys did phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing oh. what it's like to be three at work and y'all's creative fun. process. Thanks yeah. for awesome. having us. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this conversation with Annie Graham Threes, Jordan Shaft, and Whitney Rail. We learned that checking boxes and chasing after things that other people say are important will leave you feeling empty. The creative process is an adventure, and if you rush through it without appreciating the journey, the destination is significantly less satisfying. So if you're an Annie Graham Three, or even if you're just working through the creative process yourself, I encourage you to embrace your creativity and allow yourself to be inspired by your own unique perspective. Don't be afraid to experiment and try new things, even if they're outside your comfort zone. And if you're a business owner or leader, I encourage you to consider investing in an Enneagram training for your team. It can be a powerful tool for helping people understand their own strengths and weaknesses and for building a more cohesive and productive team. To learn more about Enneagram trainings and how they can benefit your team, visit theworkingenneagram.com or click the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.